Welcome to Big Marv's World. People used to connect using the World Wide Web. They call the internet. We're different types of social media. Store the information sort of like encyclopedia. I was good, everybody. It's Big Marv, and welcome back to another episode of Big Marv's Network. Today joining us, I got my boy Derek Ross. Uh, he is an entrepreneur that is helping others find their voice and embrace themselves and uh, basically spread their message, their skill sets and talents to the world. What's up, Derek? How you doing tonight, brother? What's up? What's up? I'm doing good. How you feeling? Pretty good. Pretty good. That's so uh, just to let the crowd know tonight, this is an unfiltered, un unscripted, raw interview. Just get hey. to know you. Let everybody yeah. know who Derek is and why they should be following you. Hey, I'm down. I'm down. I think those are always the best conversations. So. Oh, yeah. They just got with that energy flow. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> exactly. Cool. So, cool. I'm going to give you the floor for a minute. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about your journey, where you come from, and why you do what you do. Cool. So, uh, my name is Derek Ross. Um, I just turned 36, so I'm excited about that. Um, another year to kind of get better and, and to to, to to continue further down this journey. But um, I grew up in a small town, small, small country town in Virginia in the mountains. So where everybody was like your cousin <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> so uh, I grew up with my grandmother and my mom um, ended up moving to North Carolina. And then, you know, she was working. So I grew up, you know, old school style with my grandma, my cousins, you know, playing hide and go seek and freeze tag and things of that nature. Um, but I was always, um, I was a little different. Like, I always wanted to be the leader. Um, I always wanted to be the captain of the team. I always wanted to, you know, I had to win, you know, when we used to race down to the flagpole, I mean, to the um, to the uh, light pole and back, I used to always had to win. I used to always have to orchestrate everything. And so um, I remember, I think I got in trouble because I was sitting on the steps and I was sulking about something. I've had to be like eight or nine. And I remember because I was like, I was, I couldn't wait to be an adult. I was like, you know, when I turned 18. Isn't, isn't that every know, kid, though? Like, every kid, right? <laughs> like, you better enjoy it now, motherfucker, because right. <laughs> and I, I, I can only contend that I got in trouble and I didn't want to follow the direction. So I'm like, you know what? When I get old, I can make my own rules. Yeah. But, um, but I remember, and I was sitting there thinking, I was like, hmm, I wonder what I would be like. And I'm like, what child thinks about what they're going to be like when they're 25 or whatever? But I was like, ooh, I wonder. And then, you know, fast forward, I'm 25, and I'm like, geez. You know, I wish I was a kid again, but, um, but nah, um, so, you know, moved to North Carolina, we moved a lot. So I always had to, uh, to make new friends. Um, I moved a lot, uh, in the beginning. So I was always forced to, um, you know, to, to reintroduce myself and to, you know, always, you know, find people to fit in with. Um, and you know, that led me to sports that led me to, um, getting involved with organizations. Um, I remember in the second grade, I think this was the first time that I got a taste of creativity. Um, I was running for a class treasurer. And so I had to give a speech in front of the school. And I remember having this whole campaign signs that was like, vote for Ross. He's the boss or something like that. So <laughs> all this creativity stuff, you know, when I trace it back, it started right around then campaigns and, you know, I'm like, okay, speaking and all that good stuff. And so, um, when I got to college, um, you know, I, I, I was on a track scholarship. That was my goal when I was in high school. You know, I wanted to get a scholarship to college because I didn't want my parents to pay for school. And um, I ended up getting an academic one and a track scholarship. But track was my life. Man, that was my love. Um, and I got hurt my senior year. Oh, I was fast. I was fast. I was short and I was fast. <laughs> um, people always ask me, like, what did you used to run? I, I ran the hurdles. And they're like, but you're short. How right? the fuck yeah. did you get over that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it was, I could only say that I just had strong legs. Because I, I, when I got to college, like those things went to up to 40, 40 um, I think it's 44 inches. So it's like almost to my chest. Like in high school and, you know, when I ran in the summertime, they were a little shorter so I could manage. But when I got to, to college, it, it took a little yeah, bit more like, effort. No joke. Man, I could probably run under them, right? But... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but um, but my senior year, I got injured, and um, I had to make a decision at that point. Like, do I spend this time trying to, you know, get healed, and it's like senior year, halfway through my last semester of college, or do I tr transition and shift my focus to what I'm gonna do after college? And um, and so it was a tough decision because I was so worried about what everybody else was gonna think. You know, my parents always came to my track meets, my coaches, my teammates, and 
Um, I remember going to see my coach and telling him like, look, you know, I'm going to shift my focus to, you know, what I'm going to do in my career after college. And, you know, everybody was supportive. Everybody was cool. And um, so that, that kind of, you know, shifted. I was a marketing major. And so at that time I was like, look, I'm trying to get a job. Um, I'm try- I don't want to do sales. I want to be in marketing. I want to be creative. And so um, that's what, you know, was like the, the transition. And, and, and I had done a couple of internships, so I knew what I wanted. I knew what, what kind of job I wanted to do. And, um, you know, the power of relationships, my mom, uh, her, her good friend, uh, or her, her good girlfriend, uh, her, her boyfriend at the time worked for an agency. He was transitioning. He said, I heard you're looking for a marketing job. Are you interested in um, this contract position? And it was actually, I didn't, it wasn't a full-time job. It was a contract position doing a mobile marketing tour. So like literally driving around and grassroots at events. So really at the bottom of the marketing level. And I was like, yo, I'm, I'm interested because it was, it was, it gave me a company car, which is one thing I said I wanted. I had a company credit card. Uh, and then I was traveling and going to events. I was like, well, sh- who wouldn't? Shit, that sounds like a damn life. You know what I'm Man, saying? Man, like who wouldn't? I'm driving this big F-150 that's, that's decked out in design and all this other stuff. And so I was like, yeah. So I ended up doing that and I worked my way up. So um, this was at a time in 2005 when, when PR agencies were now uh, bringing in marketing because um, they were trying to be competitive. So they had to bring in another marketing aspect just to be a full service agency. And so I fit the bill. I was that, um, I was that, that, that hidden secret that uh, a lot of companies didn't have access to yet. Uh, and so they brought me in and um, I had to learn PR. <laughs> and that was the interesting thing. I knew marketing, but I had to learn PR on the fly. And so I moved up uh, in the company. Um, I got promoted, you know, every year for four years straight. Um, ended up running one of the largest accounts at that agency only to find out that I was getting paid $35,000 less than what I should have been getting paid. I tell you, like, so uh, let me tell you a little bit about my backstory. So as you know, I worked at Microsoft before, Uh right? Well, before I worked at Microsoft, like it it was always my dream. Like even when I went to college, I was like, I'm Mm -hmm. going to get a big time job at Microsoft. And like, so what did I have to do to work in my, like you did your grassroots position because you're like, I need to get into marketing. I'm going to go mm-hmm. ahead and eat this dirt and fucking put in the work and move up. Yeah. So I did the same thing. So I would take tech support jobs, right? And then move yeah. up to that. The lead tech support guy, like tier three yeah. tech, you know what I'm saying? And uh-huh. like, that's what I kept doing until I finally got my first Microsoft gig. And like, at the time I was making like, I want to say 13 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. doing tier three tech support and so when i did my microsoft when i got awarded my microsoft contract it was 27.50 an hour uh-huh i i said i i didn't even negotiate i was right. just like, oh, yeah, yeah. you <laughs> right. know i'm going from 13 to 27 baby what's up Shoot, then right I, then i get to microsoft and find out that i'm making at least ten dollars an hour less than everybody else because everybody else was already in the ranks. And mm-hmm. like, oh, you ain't never negotiated a contract before, blah, blah, And I was like, bro, yeah. I'm just happy I double it. I'm just waiting. You know, go, right? Like, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, you make those sacrifices because you see that passion. You're like, I want to do it. I'm just going to put mm-hmm. in the work and make it happen. And yeah. money will come later, right? Yeah. So and that's, yeah, that's one of the things I, I learned. It was like, I, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I was drinking it because... What they would do is they would um, they would give the promotion with a new title. Titles were sexy back then, oh, and yeah. um, so it would be the title and a little five percent raise. And and you're like, okay, cool, I'm getting this, but you know, not knowing what to look for, what to ask for, I was just happy just to still have a job and you know, still traveling and doing all this other stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's I, my eyes were opened <laughs> at that point. Well, now let's rewind a little bit. Now you were uh-huh. saying that you know you were pretty good athletic, and you got mm-hmm. an athletic scholarship, and you were riding that way for a little bit. Proud, made your parents proud, people around you proud, mm-hmm. and, and like you were saying, you were worried about what people thought of you before you made your transition. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people out there struggle with that today, right? Like they're yeah. trying to go to college, impress their parents, impress their grandparents, and impress whoever, but. Like maybe they're pursuing a college degree or doing something that they don't really want to do, but mm-hmm. because they got so many people around them looking up to them and 
expecting something of them. They're yeah. scared to make that jump or that leap. So can you share with us like what kind of where your mindset was, what, what gave you that final push to make that leap and transition into what you really want to do, even though like it, from an outsider's point of view, it's like, you got a scholarship. Why don't you just do that and continue that? What, what made you like, what, where were you kind of going through when you made that decision and say, I'm going to take the leap and do this marketing thing? It was, um, it was probably like, cause my senior year in high school, I was so focused on getting that, that scholarship and I got injured again. My, I got injured my senior year in high school as well. And, um, right when I was about to get recruited. And so I was like, Oh shoot, like, I'm not gonna get the scholarship. Like, this is what I've been working for all these years. And I just had to put in the work. Like I went to rehab. I did all this other stuff, came back in enough time, got the scholarship. So in my head, I already knew that there were certain, there were certain, um, barriers against me. I'm already short. <laughs> so the, the likelihood of me um, having a professional career after college in track, eh, I, I already kind of had that reality that that's not, that's not my future. Okay. Um, I had already accepted that. Like my biggest goal was like, I just wanted a scholarship to college. I checked that off. I'm good. And so I think with that in mind, I, I already, always, already knew what the end game was with track. Okay. It, it was my senior year. So, but it was one of those things that was so much a part of the fabric of who I was in my life that it was still hard to let go of it because here it is, you know, year round for like almost like 13 years was track my life, summer, summer, giving up my summers, going to see my grandma running and training. It was like everything I lived in brief track and field. And so during that time, it was kind of like, okay, Derek, you know, track is not going to be your life, you know, and it was scary as fuck. I, I will I will say it was it was scary because I it was the first time I had a taste of adulthood because now I had to make a decision for myself. It wasn't up to my parents. It, it was it was a life decision. And, you know, I had to really get clear. Like I spent a lot of time like I, I pray, you know, all the other stuff. But I was like, you know what? What do I like doing? What do I enjoy doing? I, I know with track, I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy working with people. I enjoy the camaraderie, the teamwork, and all the other stuff. So I was like, I need to find something that can still give me that same type of feeling, even though it's not in track. And I remember telling myself I used to want to be a coach. I was like, you know, I'm going to be a coach. And I always tell people, you got to be careful what you say, because you never know how it's going to show up. I thought track coach, but now I ended up being a business coach, right? And so, <laughs> and so but that's how I ended up with marketing. Like I was... First, I was like, I'm going to do international business because I like to travel. And I was like, nah, that's not it. I got into the, the details of it. And I was like, nah, I didn't want to do that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do communications because I like, you know, talking to people, communicating. I ran into a comm theory professor, didn't like that class. I dropped communications. And I was like, well, let me see something else. And so marketing was kind of like the mix of, of everything that I found that was uh, the, the closest thing to what I was looking for. Plus, I had to declare a major. So I just kind of jumped into marketing and it, and it just and it worked out. But um. But, you know, again, it was me knowing that at the end of the day, um, and I don't know where this thought came from. Um, it had to been, you know, from, from my grandmother or somebody. But I used to always say, like, I'm not going to live for other people's decision because when they're dead and gone, I'm stuck living with the decisions that I made for them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I used to always have that in, in the back of my head. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, my coach, if he leaves, he leaves and go to another school. Like, if I stay here and, and not do what I need to do for me, and then don't put myself in a position to succeed, then that's only going to look bad for me. And so I just had to make the decision and, um, and, you know, be okay with whatever the outcome was going to be. So that was, that was, that, that was that, that was that. So well, how did, how did your family and friends react after you were, you switched your focus? Um, it was, it was funny because I thought what I thought was totally opposite of what happened. Like I thought they were going to be like disappointed or trying to get me to stay in it. And they were just like, Hey, it's your life. We support you, whatever you do. And I think a lot of times we, we think the worst right. and on one extreme or the other. And it's always somewhere in the middle consistently. It's always somewhere in the middle. It's either a hell of a lot of support, um, or it wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. And that's what I've been, I learned every time I made a decision or every time I stepped out there, it wasn't as bad as I was making it in my head to be. So. If you had to give a piece of advice to someone that is maybe in college trying to make that decision and they're grinding through it, but it's 
for somebody else's dream, not their own, what, what would you tell them? Um, I would tell them, you know, get quiet <laughs> and find out, you know, who you are and really what you want. Like college was the first step for me to really understand what was my motivation. Like I, I was now out of high school where you had classes every day and people always telling you what to do. Now I had to be responsible in college and, you know, I had classes, I had things, but it was really the first taste of really making adult decisions, what classes I wanted to take, what major I wanted, what I want. And, and you had to really think on your own. So I think one thing I always tell, you know, uh, any student that I talk to is that, you know, find out what you want, find out, you know, who you are, what are you passionate about? What do you love? What, what makes you want to wake up in the morning? You know, what, and as you, t and, and, and then, and then ha do experiences, right? Get an internship because the more experiences you have, the more clear that vision becomes for you. You find out what you don't like, right? That's just as important as knowing what you do like. Um, and, and it's, it's always going to be ever, you know, ever evolving. You know, what you say in college and undergrad is not going to be the final thing. I, so many people I know that did one thing in undergrad and they're doing totally something totally different right now. So oh, yeah. have, be okay knowing that it's not, whatever decisions you make now, it's not going to be permanent. It's going to be fluidity with life. It's always going to evolve as you experience more things. Um, you're going to get more clarity. You're going to switch and pivot here and there, but just be open, be flexible, be fair to yourself you know, have grace on yourself. Like you're not going to get it all right. It's not going to be perfect, but stay in line with the core of who you are. You know, what are the things you respect? You know, what, what, what things don't you like, right? Like if you don't like people, you know, being disrespected, then, you know, you're going to stay away from people that disrespect people, right? Surrounding yourself with the right people because all that stuff is really going to play a role in guiding you and, and getting you because I, I guarantee you what you want to do and that purpose is aligned with the core of who you are. Absolutely. Now, let's fast forward time a little bit. You left uh, doing PR and marketing, mm -hmm. and you, you started to establish yourself as the brand Oracle. Tell us a little bit about that and where, where the brand Oracle came from. Uh, brand Oracle came from uh, <laughs> anytime I'm, I have like uh, strategy sessions with my clients or we're building out a campaign, um, I always, you know, I listen. It comes from listening. I always listen and um, I can always hear and see something that the client doesn't see because I can look from a different perspective, right? My client is always stuck in the weeds of it, in the mm -hmm. doing, but I can take a step back and look from a different perspective and see the gaps. And so I'll, I'll say, okay, well, let's do this. And they're like, what, what, how did you know that? Like, oh my God, how did you know that's what I needed to do? And it just clicked for them, right? And so, and a lot of times I tell people, everything you already need is already inside of you. They just can't see it, right? It's like, we can see everybody else but ourselves unless we go and look into a mirror. So for me, I'm able to see the client in a way that they can't see themselves. And so that gives me a, a different advantage plus my experience to be able to, you know, fill in the gaps where they can't fill it in. And so, um, so that's where I got the name from. Like I, I've had people even, <laughs> even in my coaching being like, yo, how did you know to say that? Like, that's exactly what I was feeling. I just didn't have the words. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's crazy. So it just kind of stuck. And I, once I heard it enough, I was like, okay, that's it. That's, that's Brand the, Oracle, baby. Let's run it. Let's roll with it. Um, and it's interesting because my, my tagline is building brands from the inside out. Um, and that came first. That tagline came um, when I first started like working on the business plan for my business. Um, Cause I was like, you know, there's so many, you know, brands out here that don't take the time to really build the brand from the core. You know, they build it for the sales, they build it for, you know, externally, but they don't start from an internal perspective. And then when things F up, then they want to go in and, and look on the inside and try to fix it. And then it's like, well, you should have started there first. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, th I think what it, what it, a lot of that might be too is like if you if you take a look at social media today, like mm -hmm. influencer marketing is like blowing up, like that's huge right now. Yeah. Per personal branding and like people are just buying things just because they know who you are. It might not be for any other reason. Mm -hmm. And so they see all these cats, you know, showing off their Lambos and their mansions yeah. and all this other stuff. So they just dive balls in and they spend yeah. all the money that they make on all those shiny toys without mm -hmm. building a foundation and a structure and a core yeah. to sustain that business long term. So I, you know, yeah. I'm seeing that 
I, I, I see that a lot with people that I work with. Yeah. Because yeah, they, they come in and they're like, I'm trying to build this business, but I have no idea what to do. And they have all these great ideas. They have a huge following and everything else. And like, you just scratch your head because you're like, like, how did you even sustain it this long? Yeah. At this point, it's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. It, it just shows, it, it shows how, how, how easy it is to, to create something when, when, you know, you believe it enough, even if it doesn't connect, like if you're, if you're passionate enough about something, even if it doesn't align, you can make other people believe it with the right messaging, the right, the right, you know, the right bells and whistles, especially with social media, because it's such a disconnect from the person, from personal, right? And so it's easy to be anything on social media, right? And I think that's where it's, uh, I come from a space where I had to do grassroots and guerrilla marketing and be out there and talk to the customers and hearing their complaints and why they, why we moved the tournament and this and that. And then being able to go from that type of marketing and then come up in the age of social media and to see how it's grown and shifted and changed. Um, it, it, it gives me a unique perspective on, you know, one, how to merge the two, the offline and the online strategy, but then also how do we cut through all of, you know, you know, the fakeness that can be, you know, present via social media nowadays, nowadays, where you can't have, where you really don't have that interaction. You're seeing a picture or you may see a video, but again, that person could have shot that video three, four, five, six, six times until they got it to the point where they liked it or got a haircut first, you know what I'm saying? And everybody's thinking that everything is cool, but you know, at the back of the end, the end of the day, they don't believe the shit that they're putting out there. They just doing it because they trying to make a dime. Yeah, <laughs> so right. it's, they faking it till they making it. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's 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 another barrier that that we have to navigate now um, because that that building that that no like and trust factor with people is real now, and people, you know, I would contend are, are looking for the bullshit. They're, they're like uh, people are, are are tuning in more so now with you know with okay is that bs and that is even harder to connect and so that's why i think you know a lot of people now are taking well not a lot of people i i know i'm pushing a lot of my clients to take things offline back to the traditional way because that's really where you you, you start to make those authentic connections um and and stronger connections and then you can you know leave the two so yeah like um I, I love grassroots marketing, you know, mm -hmm. I, I love taking the flyers out there and, yeah. like, you know, because <laughs> it gives yeah. you the opportunity to like talk to yeah. them about what you're promoting and like, yeah, yeah on a different level. But I mix it with new technology because uh -huh. I put a URL on that flyer that goes mm. to a funnel that gets them mm -hmm. on my list. You know? <laughs> there you go, boom. <laughs> yeah, it's, and like I said, and that's that's what it is. It's, it's, it's weaving the two so you that you're everywhere, and you can make it easy and simple um, from them. You know, even on the ground um, to connect digitally back to you know what you have and what you're offering. So yeah, it's it's yeah. It's, it's been good to kind of see the evolution of that and then be creative enough to try to bring it back to the basics as well. So, so what, what would you say your personal long-term vision is? Hmm, my long-term vision. That's a good one. That's a good one. What's the brand Oracle going to be in five years? Uh, in five years. Oh, wow. In five years, I definitely, uh, I plan to um, have a, a book on the New York times bestseller. Definitely. Right. Um, have a story to tell. And so um, working on identifying uh, and laying that out, I hope to start writing um, by, you know, the middle to the end of the year. But definitely that's on my list. Um, I definitely want to be a college professor. Um, I believe one of my biggest things is to educate and to inspire and to empower the next generation. So I definitely want to take everything that I've learned and be able to um, you know, bring it back to the students and then, you know, do it in a, in a, in a cool way. Like you, you see, have you seen how to get away with murder, right? Uh, you watch the show, but she's an attorney, but what she does is through her, she teaches, but then what she does is she can hire her students through her class as interns. And so that's kind of what I want to do. I want to have my agency where I'm servicing professional athletes, where I'm, I have my high profile clients and I'm, uh, and I'm creating um, this space and atmosphere, but I'm giving my students the opportunity to gain the real world experience that they need because, you know, a lot of them don't have, it's so competitive. So I want to be able to be that, that, that funnel 
to be able to bring students in and teach them and, and help them have that so they are ready to really go out and be competitive um, in the marketplace um, while they're still in school. So. Okay. So those are two of the big, big goals. And of course, I'm going to be, you know, multi-millionaire, you know, I'm going to have, you know, I, I'm working on my, my podcast is out now, so I have that, but I definitely want to be on speaking tours and just really speaking internationally, um, motivating people, mindset, talking business strategy, and just kind of being my own personal influencer. Um, I've spent a lot of time behind the computer. So my goal now is to step out from behind the computer of serving, you know, my clients and then, you know, leverage everything that I have to help serve others on, on a, on a bigger platform and reach more people. So. Uh, you say you hope to bring to this world uh, the mindset shift that so many people struggle with. Mm -hmm. Let's touch on that a little bit. What do, what do you what what does that mean to you? Um, what that means to me is that we are we get in our own way. Like we create the barriers to, you know, the future that we want. Um, is that we can have all the pieces and it's right there, but because we don't think we're good enough or we think that, you know, we're not ready right now, or we think that we have to be doing it like someone else, all those, those beliefs or those thoughts or those ideas mm -hmm. um, prevent us from stepping into the reality of we're the shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like other people see us, but it's like, it's, it's sometimes it's that barrier, that, that belief that, we adopted at some point in time when we were young, when we heard somebody say something like, you know, money don't grow on trees. And although, you know, parents and stuff joke about that, it, it subconsciously leaves a mark. And I've been even on myself working through some of those beliefs that, you know, you have to work hard for your money. There's even a song, I work hard for my money. You're like, you know, money, money, making money should not be hard. Right. right. If, you, if you understand how to make money and your passion and the thing. So it's, a, it's unlearning a lot of things that generations before has been have been passing down. And then it's like, you know, your beliefs, you know, turn into your thoughts. You know, they create feelings, feelings, motivate and action. And most of the time it's inaction, you know, sitting, scrolling on social media, being sad, going to get another cup of coffee. But we're not doing the action that we need to do for the thing that we say we want. And then it produces the results. And then we look at the results and it's all in alignment with that belief of I'm not good enough. I think I'm not good enough. I feel frustrated because I'm not good enough. I don't do the things because people are not going to open up my email because my email is not going to be good enough. Then I just sit here and just scroll and look at other people and be like, oh, I'm not good enough to be them. I don't do the action. And then it just, it just goes in a loop. And it, it all starts with that belief. And, you know, and you can, I, I guarantee you, you know, you can probably, you probably see it in some of your clients too, when you're trying to break them through, it's like, what is going on, dude? Like, yeah. what's, what's, what's up? And then you can kind of see, and it just flows. It, it, it starts as a thought and a feeling and an action. They don't do the work that you tell them to do. And then they get mad at the results. Was well, like, dude, it starts with your belief. Once you break that, then it's like truly, you know, it's unlimited potential and opportunity, but it's really getting people to, to see the untrueness of their thinking. Yeah, that's what, like, and what and what helps me, like, get people to break through is I, I just say, you know, like, fuck what people think. It'll never be perfect. It's you. Yeah. That, that's what's mm -hmm. so perfect about it. Like, yeah. it'll never be perfect, but it's perfect because it's you. Yeah. Your raw, unfiltered energy, just mm -hmm. give it out to the world. Like, it might, it might not be great the first time, but just keep doing it. Keep putting it out there. Refine your energy. Evolve as a person. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing to see people like, like finally take that leap and, you know, take action and maybe start promoting, promoting themselves or making live videos because they're getting confident. And you see when they first start, start, yeah. they're, they're nervous and they're kind of down. They're like, you get, you can tell like they're not all there, but then like 15 videos later, they're full of energy. And Boom. Like, <laughs> There it is. There's the person, you know, I, I knew you had it in you, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But it's just getting them to take that that first leap to say, you know, I am good enough, fuck what people think. Yeah. And I always tell people like, you know, even for myself, like I have to uh, remind myself and sometimes we get caught so caught up in the moment of the doing of the next, you know, of the next achievement that we forget everything that we've already accomplished, you know all the, yeah. the badass shit that we've like, done. Like, people like, don't celebrate the small goals, yeah, like the small they wins. They don't. Um, They're like, I'm not going to celebrate till I hit a million. Dude, yeah. six figures alone is like a feat. Yeah, you know it's like, yo. <laughs> How many, what's the statistics? Like 80% of something businesses fail in the first yeah. years. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And then like, I, I have to force myself because, you know, to sit down sometimes and just not move and make a list of things that I've accomplished, small, you know, whatever, just so that I can see. And then the list be long as, as, I, as heck. And I'd be like, oh, hey, I did do that. And I forget things that I've done. I forget stuff. And I'm like, yo, I did do that deal. Like, yo, I, like I'm, I'm bad as fuck. Like, what, what am I? Oh, you, know, motherfucker. you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and it snaps you back. You know, and, and that's things that I have to do to remind myself, like, look, you know, you ain't new to this. <laughs> you ain't new to this. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so yeah, but it's, it's a constant work because things trigger us, right? Things trigger, trigger us. And, you know, um, but it's to catch yourself when you're triggered and identifying what the trigger is so that you know how to be like, yo, that's a trigger. Let me, let me back up. Let me go through. Let me remind myself. Because I always tell people, like, once you... You once you see the un, you know the, the the unreality, right? Once you see the un the untrueness of your thinking, I just made that word up. But once you see that your thinking is untrue, you can't unsee. Like once you see something, you can't unsee it. So once you see, like, yo, that's that's not that's not my story. My story is like I'm dope as well. Like I can do this. Like and it's like it it doesn't go away at that point. It's always there. And so. That's the biggest thing that I try to do with people, like help them see themselves for the reality and the truth of what they really are and how dope they really are so that they can take that and continue to move forward. Yeah, I remember, like, I mean, I guess I was I was lucky because my mom always encouraged me, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, I grew up in Alabama, like, small town, mm-hmm. and, like, there everybody tells you, like, you know, just go to school, go to college, get a good job, settle down, mm-hmm. buy a house next to your aunt. And work <laughs> yeah. People don't leave the community, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But my mom would always tell me, like, no, you're special. You're going to do mm-hmm. great things out there. You're going you're, you're gonna to leave this place. You're gonna, you know, you're going to change the world. Mm-hmm. And she would always tell me, you're going to be rich one day. Yeah. And my mom had nine kids. So uh-huh. And so, like, but she would always, like, because I'd always have a hard time because I was an introvert, you know, Mm -hmm. but I was such, like, a little computer nerd. Like, I built my first computer when I was 10 years old. That's dope. Right? So, like, that's, it was just me in my room with my computers and my electronics. Like, I was Uh always taking things apart. Like, I, I... I fixed my own Nintendos and stuff like that. Oh, <laughs> I had about three of those. I should have brought them to you. Like, they want to fix this. <laughs> like, we'd get, because, like, we were poor, right? So, like, my mom could never buy me a Nintendo. So, like, mm-hmm. I would find one in the trash and fix it. And then I would find oh. cartridges in the trash and clean them. And, like, it, it was it was fun, you know? I was just uh-huh. always a converted kid. But my mom would always tell me, like, just study hard, you know, like, it might it might be difficult for you, but you know I know your stronghold you'll make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now look at me today. Like I would have mm-hmm. never thought that I would go from like that introverted uh-huh. to Big Marv. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Doing big things, killing the game. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just cha- like you said. You know, you got to find your passion and chase your passion, and like, mm-hmm. just make those cho- those choices that are best for you. Because yeah. Right. And even me, like I went to college for graphic design. Like that's what I did, but I went to graphic mm-hmm. design now. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I switched and I love teaching people. Like that that's what I discovered like through mm-hmm. my path. Is every mm-hmm. like like I told you, I would always work hard. I started at tech support, but mm-hmm. I would work up because I wanted to be a lead. I wanted to lead the team i didn't want to just be one of the techs you know what i'm saying right (laughs) i wanted to lead the team i wanted to tell guys how to do it i wanted to figure out how to make it more efficient Mm -hmm. and and i did that at microsoft too like just every time i got on the team i got promoted within six months Mm -hmm. to the lead because then i'm leading the guys and teaching them the new processes and then Mm -hmm. I went to Billy Jean's conference and that kind of sealed the deal for me because he he told me I was dope. Like I didn't believe in myself until that that uh-huh. time when a, a mentor that I looked up to was like, "You're dope." He's like, "You're the real deal." Like you worked at Microsoft, you have all these achievements. Like mm-hmm. and, and for me, like I never celebrated like you said the small wins. Yeah, I never celebrated like. Microsoft. I never celebrated becoming lead on those teams and getting promoted quickly. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I'm like, it's not good enough until I hit the million. Yeah. And then yeah. when B- Billy Jean helped me flip the script 
and it finally that was my breakthrough moment was sitting in that room with him and he's like dude you you got the credentials you're real you're the real deal that's the thing about you is like you didn't just go take a course and now you're trying mm -hmm. to teach people how to build a build something based on some course that you read no you've lived and breathed it for the last yeah. 15 years so yeah you know it, it, it i think it really is just a mind shift mm -hmm. thing like that holds a lot of people back because that's what it was for me that was the thing holding me back was i and that's why i never quit microsoft because it was my security blanket you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? yeah it's like i don't have to be good enough yeah because i always have microsoft to bail me out so mm -hmm. it wasn't until i had that mind shift change that i said fuck it i quit microsoft right <laughs> jumped off the bridge yeah it's you know it's really saying? yeah and that's what happened like when i left the agency like that was my security blanket and i'm like d you're doing everything you're doing everything the only thing that you're not doing is the actual design and so at that point i was like look if i had a designer i could run the agency by myself right that's when like when I started really sitting back and looking, I'm like, I'm doing everything. Like I've been trained. I, I have it. Like, you know, I just need the opportunity. And a lot of times that's what it, it boiled down for me. I know I, it was like, I, I, it was like, if I get the opportunity, I'm going for it. But, um, but what forced me into that was taking the leap of, you know, like you said, just betting on myself. And sometimes you have to, you know, I was prepared, you know, I didn't just jump out there and didn't have like the, you know, I didn't have savings and things like that. I tell people all the time, like, still have a plan, right? <laughs> but uh, but I, I saved up enough to to sustain me for what I needed over the, the course of period. And of course, you know, life happens and that didn't sustain me for as long as I needed to. But what it did was it built up my resilience um, because even though I didn't see it at the time that, you know, when I left, the, when I left, I was finishing up grad school. I left the company because things were getting crazy. I had saved up money. Um, I had money saved up from student loan, you know, that they were able to give me. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to get, I thought I needed more experience. So I was going to go get a six figure job with a big eight, with a big corporate company to be like, yeah, I'm going to get some more experience here. And I never landed the job. Like here I have this MBA and I have all this experience and I could not land a job. Like, I have like, to this day, I have a folder. It has like 25 different versions of my resume. And I did not get hired. 25 different versions. Because I have friends in New York and I was using their address. I have friends in Atlanta. I mean, I was doing all the tricks. I was doing everything. I had headhunters, never, jobs not available anymore. We hired somebody internally. And like, it killed my spirit. When I tell you it killed my spirit, like I was, the only job I could get was a part-time job at the gym, working about $10 an hour. Cause I needed money and even I was still running out of money. And I remember as soon as I, you know, my faith was really the thing that was getting hit. And I was just like, yo, I, I remember at my mom's house, I fell on my knees and I was praying and I was like, I can't do it. Like clearly something I'm doing is wrong. So let me just release it. You know, God, you take over you, you know, what do I need to do? And he was just like, start your own business. And I was like, yeah, right. That's not it. Uh, <laughs> I had the mindset, like I, I thought about that. I didn't think it was a time. I didn't think it was a time. And it was like, no, so you, the same, you know, the same job you're trying to get with your experience and all these accolades, why can't you take that and start your own business? So that's really when the shift happened. And as soon as I was like, okay, let me appreciate this $10 job that I have. Cause I was going in late. I was, didn't care about it. I started appreciating the small things. And soon, a lot of you not, as soon as I started going to work on time at the gym and started just, you know, embracing that as something that I had, I got a call two weeks later from a guy that I used to work with for a national magazine. He was like, yo, D, we have this marketing um, position open for a contract position. Are you available? Yeah, I'm available. So that <laughs> was like the first taste of my own first, my first contract. I won that, ended up going to work for Radio One. Um, because, you know, no like and trust, like I had built up this reputation as being creative, being reliable, being loyal, being smart, being all this other stuff through all the people that I had met through the agency job. And it was paying off in the time that I needed. So when opportunities were coming up, people were like, oh, yo, let me reach out to Derek. Derek, here's the opportunity. I'm about to leave. I think this position will be good for you. Now, I didn't want to do sales at Radio One, but it was another piece that I needed. So I went in there and she was like, well, really it's like having your own business because you're managing your own roster of clients. 
I didn't see that before. But it's like you're managing your own list of clients that you're creating campaigns for, ideas for to help serve them. So I was like, yo, that's, that's real. So it gave me some additional, you know, working time to do that. And I had revenue. Like I landed that job. A lot of you not. I, I, I landed that job. I didn't have any more money in my bank account. I got the job in enough time to pay my bills for the next month. Damn. It was just like, and so the, what happened, the job sustained me for a year because I had a non-compete with the agency. The client wanted to hire me full time, but I had non-compete. So this, this new job, I, I was able to have a non-compete, um, uh, what they call it a, a guarantee when you have a sales job. Like they guarantee a certain number, uh, they guarantee you a check for X number of months um, before you have to go to commission base. So I was able to do that for a year. They usually only give you six months. Well, when that year was up, the client came back and was like, look, we're not looking to hire nobody. We're looking for an agency. Are you still interested? I had been working on my business that whole time. I submitted that RFP, went to present it against like, I think four of the agency. And they called me that next day and was like, you won the bid. I left radio one <laughs> in 2014. And that's when I, and that's what, the opportunity I needed to start my company nice. and um, but it was all because of all the stuff that I had done was it lost it was just accumulating until the right time and um, if I didn't go down network you know yeah like, yeah building your reputation yeah. like even even now because I'm partnered with an agency right now and um, I even have a non-compete with him like I can't serve any of the clients that the agency serves, right? Like, if I left the agency, I couldn't go bid on contracts for any clients or mm-hmm. the agency. But even even so, I still, like, treat them well, you know, because I got my big Marv reputation on the line. Yeah. Even though they hired this agency and, like, it's not my agency, it's still my reputation. Yeah. It's like they could easily go look me up online and, and whatnot. And now now I'm networking. So like you were saying, you got this opportunity because of your network. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's probably one of the best things I can tell people to do is always go network with people, like get the right kind of people in your inner circle because you never know what kind of opportunities are going to come knocking. Yeah. And always show up as your best self. Forget how they treat you. As long as you keep your, your, your integrity, your, you always work hard, you do your part. You know, they can't say anything bad about you. That's not going to stick because if people really know you, they know you, right? They know how hard you work. They know your reputation. They know that you always deliver the good. So, you know, I always say stay true to that. And I've had situations where I've had like VPs try to throw me under the bus, but I had receipts. You know what I'm saying? When I worked at the, the agency, I had VPs trying to throw me under the bus. And I was like, nah, bro. <laughs> so I was able to check them professionally, but it was always like you, you, you teach people how to treat you. And even if people decide to treat you, you still hold yourself, that core value of who you are. And it'll pay off in dividends. And like, even for me, like now I still get people, I get referrals now for clients because of the work people know that I used to do and how I showed up. And it's like, yo, D, I want to introduce you. She needs some marketing. You know, the only person I can think of is you. Boom. And so I'm still living off that reputation and what I did. So. Your network is your net worth. Isn't that the same? Yeah. Yes. Your network is your net worth. It's so true. Right. Um, so speaking of networking, like my. Like you, I know you're in our Wavemakers group, so mm-hmm. it, you read about my trip to Vegas. Uh-huh. So um, my, how I got that was just because my copywriting coach, I showed up. Like sometimes you win in life just by showing up. Yeah. Like he has this mastermind group and I showed up to his live trainings. I took the mm-hmm. course, I paid attention, you know, and now he invited me to go help coach at a intensive mastermind like a private mastermind in las vegas that's dope and then and it's actually not put on by him it's put on by this big marketing group awol marketing okay. and they're, they're an eight-figure marketing agency oh wow that's and, dope. They, and they hold this three-day intensive mastermind where people pay a lot of money to go in mm-hmm. there and they basically build a facebook ad a funnel email follow-ups and the whole deal so they can go live and turn traffic to it in three days Oh, wow. That's wow. That's good. And so wow. I was I was supposed to go just to help all my copywriting coaches, coaches day, because how it is, is like they do a presentation, mm-hmm. 
breakout group and then I'll be leading the breakout group teaching these you know helping these students walk through the different parts of building whatever they were teaching during the presentation um, so they he connected me with the AWOL marketing group <clears throat> and then we got to talking and then they mm -hmm. looked at my big Marv profile and they were like wow we didn't realize you, were, you had such a skill set you know uh -huh. Thought we were going to just do copy. Are you interested in doing the full three days? So they invited me to do <laughs> three day comp. Yeah. <laughs> comp in my hotels, my food, everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, my flight. So it's it's going to be fun, but it's all because I just showed up mm -hmm. networking with the right people, and the opportunity presented itself. So I made myself available. Yep. You know. Um, and you were so ready. Yeah. You know. You gotta, you gotta be ready to like you jump on the opportunities and show up. Like, don't, don't be that person that commits to something and then you don't show up. Yeah, that's the worst thing. Like, I, I would rather you not even commit than 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 commit and not show up. Like, because it, there's there's one thing on this planet you can never get back, and that's time. Yeah. Like, time is your most valuable valuable resource, so you should be protecting that. At all time. I don't care if you have a trillion dollars in the bank. You can't get your time back. Yep, can't and, buy and, more. <laughs> until uh, Doctor Strange is right. a real person. Uh -huh. we, we can't do shit about time. Right, okay. Or like that movie with um, with um, Justin Timberlake and uh, uh, ah, the, the girl Dakota Fanning. Where it was like a time, it was like in the future, but they um like time was the their the um their their sort their right it's out it's but it's good it's good it's good but it, it it really makes you think about the value of time and time was the currency you bought everything with time um oh yeah because like his mother dies right yeah right when they were yep she ran out of time and, and, and she, he fucking go, goes in there and um he like gets all the way up to the elite where they don't live uh -huh. time, where they're the movie is just called in time in time yeah yeah but it, it gave you it it really like gave a dope perspective on the value of time like if oh, time yeah, is currency like, like time is currency like you have to buy your food you pay your rent and everything rent. Um, yeah, by time. And then they, and then they, they showed like a, a, a true like bird's eye view into a mm -hmm. capitalist society. Yeah. Right? Because you got your people at the bottom that don't own businesses. Yep. They just work. So time. <laughs> like you're putting in 40, 50 hours a week. You're living paycheck to paycheck just mm -hmm. trying to get by, survive. And and then you got the people that have like high paying jobs mm -hmm. and then you got the people that own businesses and then you got okay. the people that own real estate that run right <laughs> right so. and they got these millions of hours millions of days and it's yeah, just they're like, like <laughs> i'll give you a thousand years <laughs> yeah right like right while i sip my tea it's like yo <laughs> But yeah, that that was a that was a really really good movie. Um, I definitely recommend checking it out. It's it it has shifted the perspective um, even more over time. So yeah, it was good. All right, so give tell us uh, tell us how we can reach you if anybody wants to connect with you. What's your social <laughs> network? Your website? If anybody wants to connect with me, um, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My website is uh, Derek D Ross. DerekDRoss.com, Derek D. Ross on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, Derek D. Ross on LinkedIn. Derek D. Ross, you see me there. <laughs> see, you guys, I was a perfect example of branding. Like, if y'all look me up, it's Marv at Night on everything. And that's mm -hmm. for, for a reason. Like, mm -hmm. That way, it does not change. That's just how it is. Does not change. So, um, makes it super easy to reach out to you. Well, Derek, it was awesome having you on the show. Is there. Any last piece of advice you want to give our viewers, our entrepreneurs out here? I would say um, one thing that I had to learn even this this current year is that, you know, nothing is wasted. Everything that you've learned, every experience that you've been through, every win, every loss, loss becomes lessons. Everything that you have, have learned and experienced, it's all for a purpose, it's all for a reason. 
um, and it goes into your future. It goes into your present moment now. Like, so be present now because now is all you have. The future is going to get here when it gets here. The future will then become the present at some point, but focus on now, focus on what you can do now to make impact in your life. Um, and knowing that, you know, everything you need is already inside of you. Just like you said, Big Marv, like when, when Billie Jean was like, yo, like you're amazing. It was already inside of you. It, he just saw the seed and, and just added a little bit of Billie Jean-ness on it. Uh, <laughs> and you was just like, oh, and it just shifted. So everybody out there listening, you, you have it in you, you know, and it might take, you know, uh, someone seeing what you can't see to, to, to flip the switch, or you might have an experience that will flip the switch, but just trust in your, your dopeness, your greatness. Oh, and, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But, all right, there, I can't tell people enough, like, just take imperfect action. Accept nothing will ever be perfect. Tweak it as you go. Like, mm-hmm. people lie, but numbers don't. Mm-hmm. Right? So you will see if you're dope. Yeah. You release shit and people start watching yeah. it or not. You know? Right. <laughs> but, right. That, but that doesn't mean don't release it. Like, if you got two viewers, yay. You got two viewers, just keep doing the content. Just keep mm-hmm. chasing the, the passion. Take action now. I don't care if it's releasing a website, app, mm-hmm. if you're trying to build a sculpture, a painting, whatever you do. That's that is your greatness, like your skill set. Just fucking take action and yeah. and do it. Like right. everybody had to start from ground zero. Well, some one, one mediocre published book is still better than five hundred unpublished books on your hard drive. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm with it. Yeah. I would rather publish five hundred books and have four of them be bestsellers. Right. You know, <laughs> and you still have the author tag. What now? What? <laughs> I'm a prolific author, motherfucker. Right, you know. <laughs> because then when I get those four bestsellers, I'm gonna have people fucking mm-hmm. trying to get some of those first copies of like the shitty books. Right. Because I only printed twenty of those. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I printed them with my printer at home and riveted them together. Yeah. <laughs> you know what exactly. I'm saying? Like. And then it takes you up because now you have all that experience of publishing and putting out four books that someone who's never done it, you have, now you have, you know, that learn knowledge as well to add into it. So it's like, you'd be like, you published four books. Yep. I sure did. Let me pay, pay me and I'll tell you how I did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, now you can start your own group. Right. <laughs> be like, yeah, right. I published 500 books, bro. I got four of them on the bestsellers list. Let me show you how I did it. Boom. And then they're, they're researching what you did. They're like, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, yes, bro, I signed mm-hmm. off the list. I'm not going to do right. that. <laughs> yeah, see, I just shortcutted your success. A lot of people try to say, like, you know, don't don't invest in mentors, don't invest in coaches and things like that because they're, they're like, well, why would you do that? Like, yeah, you can do this all on your own. You can use Google. You can figure it out on your own. I'm like, yeah, but just like I figured it out on my own, but it took me months and months. Yeah. And it took me $15,000 in different courses and try, trying to figure things out. So basically by hiring a professional or getting with a mentor, mm-hmm. it, it shortcuts your success. It gives you that time back because you can take a look at what they did mm-hmm. and avoid those mistakes. Yeah, Because a lot, of the t- a lot of times it's the same common mistakes that cause people to fail. Yep. I'm a big component of that. Get your mentor. Get, get my, uh, my Bob Ross. Uh, awesome, all, right. Awesome. all right guys well thank you guys for tuning in and we'll, we'll see you next friday for big marvs network one love one love peace